This is a story for those who wish that they could truly read between the lines of the book they were reading and see the world of the story through the eyes of the author. For those who wish that they could make nonfiction from fiction. For those who wish that dreams were true. This is a story of a group of wayward friends who came together from the far reaches of two worlds to come together and to help make dreams reality. This is Hazeltown's story. Hello and welcome to our first episode of Hazeltown Story. Um, so this is something that I've actually been wanting to do for quite some time. You see, this is going to be a show that actually fulfills a whole lot of things for me personally. Um, I don't know if it's become apparent through my various other things, um, but I tend to be, at least I like to consider myself a somewhat creative person. Um, I usually like to, you know, anything that I've done through my streams, I've always done basically I've drawn by hand. Um, and also I, I just, I like creating things and this actually lets me, um, actually make something sort of creative and not just do something like say stream a video game or something. Also, by the way, these intros are going to be very off the cuff, um, because this little intro bit is going to be more of a personal tie to whatever we're doing. Um, so let me actually give you an introduction of what Hazeltown story is. It's an actual paid podcast. And I know there's a ton of these on the internet now, and this is just going to be another one. Um, but hopefully I can at least do something that is, I don't want to say more creative, but something that, um, just it's my little slice of the internet. So, um, I guess I just want something to kind of let me, you know, be a little bit more creative. Um, and actually that's another thing that I want to want to do that kind of made this happen, uh, is I've always wanted to do, I've been fascinated by tabletop games, but I've always ever just played them. The idea of creating a world for a tabletop game always fascinated me. So I wanted to do it. Um, unfortunately that means I've never actually GM'd before. And this here is actually also going to serve as kind of a little diary for me on kind of a GMing experience and also creating a world and how kind of that, like the kind of the problems that I had. So I'm trying to keep these little intros a lot more like, I'd say I'm trying to cut, make these a little bit more edited, but this, this part will not be, I'm going to try not to edit it because these are going to be a lot more, I guess, personal. Um, so yeah, uh, Hazeltown stories, my debut as a GM and debut of actually, you know, telling the world about the story of all these characters that I've had, because I've had the characters, you know, Rhapsody, Lomi, Radia, Bibli, Lila, Theron, and Cass, I've had these characters for quite some time now, but I've never actually, you know, delved really into the world that they existed. And this kind of gives me an outlet for actually doing that. Um, gives me a chance to actually, you know, try and make a narrative world, which is something that I've always found fascinating, but I've never really been the kind of person to just sit down and type out a story. And I feel like this is kind of a more of a way of me being able to more actively do that. Um, so that's kind of what this is. 
Um, from a more technical standpoint, uh, it also tends is a way for me to try out a game system that uh, I was actually taught, or not taught, but I was actually shown by Carnival, uh, Carnival who is a regular on Retro and Rhapsody, uh, also regular on Media Delta, and also really into tabletop games. Um, I wanted a tabletop game because, you know, you got things like D&D and Shadowrun and like all the infinite other Monster of the Week, all these other tabletop games, and all of them have like a kind of, I know you can make custom settings, but they're all like in their own setting. And I needed something that let me kind of have a creative outlet. Uh, and they showed me Genesis. Uh, Genesis is by Fancy Flight Games, which is, <laughs> it's funny, as soon as I started this, they had a bit of problems with, um, they were recently bought out by a company called Asmodee who have not really treated them the best. Uh, so it was like right, a, like a month before we actually went live with this, uh, basically the entire Fancy Flight tabletop thing just got shuttered, which was great news for this podcast. Although considering I tend to deal with retro stuff, I felt like that's actually kind of fitting, but I digress. Uh, Genesis is a tabletop system that is made to be modular. And that was perfect for me. And it also does some interesting things with dice. It's not, you're just not rolling regular D20s. You're not trying to hit number scores. You're trying to Mac get a, like there's symbols for failure, for successes, uh, having little advantages or disadvantages. It seems like a really interesting system that I wanted to try out. And basically that's another thing that I get to do here, which made me very excited. Um, so I figure we, well, I'll get into the actual episode to start. Uh, so these were recorded live on May 8th, 2020, uh, this recording session. Um, this will be part one of essentially I'm breaking that session into three episodes. Each one will be released on Thursdays. Um, so this episode, we kind of dealt with the mostly exposition. There's not a whole lot of actual gameplay, uh, for this except at the very end. Um, and this kind of made me realize kind of, I want to go over like the lessons that I learned from doing this particular section. Um, I kind of wish that I was a little bit more prepared because I felt like I stumbled over myself a lot when I was giving the kind of the introduction for this. I actually had a whole lot. I actually cut out a good section of the introduction, which I actually redid in an edited format. And I made it, I kind of elaborated it a little bit more and made it less rambly, uh, which you'll hear exact right after this, um, kind of opening, uh, monologue will go off. Um, especially like the bits in Theron's office and the library. I kind of felt like I was very tongue tied and I really wished I was a little bit more elaborate, but it was my literal first time GMing. So of course it's going to be awkward. Um, I just kind of wish that, uh, I could kind of elaborate more of what exactly is happening with what this project that Theron's working on is. Uh, I kind of kept on referring to it as dreaming, although I kind of wish that it was, it's more of not so much dreaming as it is kind of almost doing, entering the world of the book and the sensing equipment, like the world that they, the basically using the data that they have in there and basically entering almost a virtual world out of it. Um, and 
that's kind of what I more did instead of just, oh, you're going to sleep and you all have a collective dream. Um, that's, I kind of wish that I went through that. Also, I really wish that I was more on the ball about character descriptions. Uh, I didn't even describe what Cass looked like. Um, for, for the record, uh, Cass is about five, eight. He looks, his fur is mostly brown, um, kind of has a white nose. He, his species is more meant to be a beagle boxer mix. So boggle, I've heard that termed. Um, with kind of brown, short, scraggly hair and very slim, uh, but toned body. Um, usually wearing a kind of a purple kind of suit coat or suit pants and kind of a vest. Um, I guess that's kind of what he was wearing in Theron's office, but, um, kind of didn't elaborate that. And I kind of wish that I kind of was more on the ball about that. Um, so yeah, if there's anything that I learned about that is I really need to get um, the actual descriptions of things that you can't see. Because I'm viewing it in my head, but you can't, the viewer, like the player isn't knowing. They're they're not in my head. So I need to be more on uh, kind of descriptive on that. So that's one takeaway that I have from that. Um, other than that, um, just I felt like I kind of was pretty prepared. Um I had a rough draft of what exactly I wanted to do with this, but yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on this first little bit. Um, uh, one thing I will note about this is I'm kind of in my head trying to plan about how I am like, I'm editing, I'm trying to be more like, uh, I don't know if we're not judicious with my editing, but more. I'm trying to make it a little bit more cleaner and a little bit more professional sounding. And actually one thing I want to do is use effects uh, later on and also like use like background music. Cause I know I've listened to a few number of tabletop uh, podcasts. And I know that some use music, some don't. I'm still mixed on what exactly I want to do with this. Um, I have, uh, I definitely know that I'm not going to be using like stuff from games that I've normally done on things like media Delta and even retro on Grapsody at some point. Um, I do have access to a pretty large royalty fee library of music, which I do plan on using. And in fact, the music that I've used in this episode comes from that. And also the intro. Um, so there I'm still torn on whether or not I want to do, um, intro stuff. Uh, also, uh, or not intro stuff, more music in thing. Uh, also editing, um, like voice effects, like Bibli, yeah, will make an appearance here. Uh, I'm debating about whether or not I want to make her have a voice effect whenever she is speaking. Um, I feel like that might be a bit much and we can probably do that later on. Um, once this becomes more established and once I get more actually used to, you know, editing the podcast as a whole. Um, which actually speaking of that, that's another thing that I really wish that I kind of was better on. I was, I felt like I was okay, but I, one thing I do want to focus on is actually getting the, uh, characterization of all the characters in there because they all have their own personalities. Uh, and I just need to be, I feel like I need to be better about actually, you know, emoting them in their own personalities. Uh, I feel like I was a little bit weak, but, um, that'll grow. I mean, I, I know that that's, I'm, this is new to me. Uh, so I have to actually, you know, run on that. And hopefully as I do more of these, it'll get better. But yeah, uh, that's where we are at now. I think I've talked quite a bit enough about um, what's going on. Uh, 
definitely the thing that I should mention right off the bat is the players. Um, so with us, we have uh, Carnival, as I mentioned earlier, um, playing Elmus Greener, who is kind of a hacker person, I guess. Uh, I'll have the, they des- describe their characters at the intro, so I'll actually let them do that. Um, you also have uh, Deathmaster780, who is playing Nellis Masters. And you have Torpetypist, who is playing Aravia. I kept on pronouncing her name wrong throughout the entire thing, and I really hope I just did. Um, but yeah, uh, those are the players for this. Um, I'll have their, uh, I'll list the name, like I'll give you the, if you want to really look at um, who's playing and also uh, what the kind of, you're hearing me say it, but you don't see it uh, written. Uh, look at the description for this. Uh, also, I'm going to tr- try and hopefully timestamp this, but um, we'll see about that. Um, so yeah, that's enough of the intro. Yeah, now, um, before we get into the actual recording of the session, I have another intro that tells about the world of Hazeltown and its kind of surroundings. Uh, I really need to think of a collective name other than the Hazeltown universe because it's more than just Hazeltown. Um, but that's for later. Right now, here's the introduction to what the world that Hazeltown resides in is like. The world that Hazeltown resides in is much like ours, but not quite. Hazeltown is in a galaxy that's called the Milky Way, very similar to our own galaxy, with one key exception. Instead of Earth, there exist twin planets, called Romulus and Remus. The rest of the planets in the Milky Way are still there, as they are named here, but whether or not they are actually the same is for another time. Both Romulus and Remus contain human life, but all the humans on each planet differentiate vastly from each other. What constitutes as our humans mostly resides on Romulus and come in three main varieties based on a relatively simple thing. Some have pointy ears, some have rounded ears. Some have cat-like eyes, tails, and noticeably more hair, and also pointy ears. Other races that exist on Romulus include dragon folk of various types, therian topes of different types, and a handful of other fantastical races that live in small protected colonies that somehow still manage to be shielded from the masses. Many of the countries from our world have analogs that exist on Romulus, with some new ones thrown in there as well. The humanity that is native to Remus, however, is for the most part animal-like. Rabbit folk, dog folk, lynx folk, chinchilla folk, and many others exist on this planet. If it's a mammal that's not too obscure, it's likely to have a population somewhere on the planet. There are also small human populations around the planet, but nowhere near as populous as Romulus, and are likely expats from there as well. The countries that exist on this planet are almost entirely unique from our world, there are some that have loose analogs, but no explicit ties, with some key exceptions. There's one race that, however, has native populations on both planets, the locusts. The locusts are a race that exhibits elements of various different animals, but still appear somewhat human. While other races have a percentage of their population that can use magical powers, 100% of locusts can use magical powers. The locusts were among the first created societies on their planets, and have the ability to communicate with each other from across the planets. With these features, they feel as they are the guardians of the planet and seek to be a unifying party between the societies of the planets. 
Part of their origin stories includes a somewhat religious message from what seems to be another time to not be a dominating empire over other countries and to protect the sanctity of these cultures. While the locusts do avoid directly intervening with other countries' politics, they do tend to observe through the use of shapeshifting and espionage through their notorious Losha agency. And now, onto the current times. The year is 2070 AR, after reconciliation. 270 years have passed since the first settlement of a Romulan Empire was founded on Remus. Since then, empires have come and gone, but that does not mean the times are exactly boring. There is the prevalent threat of nuclear war on Remus, as the ex-European colonies are getting into ideological slap fights with each other, and they're using the native cultures of Remus as pawns in their little game. Romulus are getting on the verge of war, as alliances are starting to strain as they work with what their interests are on Remus. The Locutian Empire, which served as the two worlds' greatest advocate for peaceful coexistence, has had its grip loosened since the invention of Leyden Battery decades prior, as non-Locutians are now able to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Locus in terms of magical output. Also, various cultural shifts from the latter half of our 20th century are hitting at the exact same time due to this invention. For example, the sexual revolution and fight for civil rights in the 1960s, the rise of the punk culture from the 1970s, the rise of personal computers and other digital goods from the 1980s, and the advent of popular use of the internet of the 1990s are all hitting Romulus and Remus at the exact same time. The air is filled with a feeling of massive change in the status quo. And fortunately, this change has also caused a rise in activity among certain nefarious supremacist, conspiratorial, and otherwise dangerous groups to become more active. This, of course, does not stop life from happening, and it still continues on, even with all this chaos. The citizens that live under the rule of the Council of the Seabearer Nations still manage to live their lives to the fullest, especially in the multicultural metropolis that is the Steinwald and its quaint little side town, Hazeltown. Its denizens range from all over the worlds and have their own ambitions. Some want to be artists, some want to just want to know what's on TV that night, and for a certain group, they want to know the mystery behind the world's magic. Carnival, uh, why don't you introduce your character and give like a brief, like just a, just kind of tell them uh, some things about them. Just kind of All brief right. introduction uh, of their character. Yep, my character I'm playing as is Elmis Grinner. Uh, pronoun she them they're an engineer that's trying to basically create a perpetual magic engine and in such is joined this expedition for basically testing purposes in ways that are legal but dubiously legal but can't be traced back to them if something goes wrong okay uh, uh let's do it like this uh Torpo. Oh, um... Uh, my character's Aravia. Uh, she's a biker who likes two things. Beating the shit out of people and her hog. It's, it's very simple, actually, and she's just here on a favor from Cassin to earn some scratch. Okay. Um, uh, Deathmaster, how about you? I am, of course, playing Nella's Masters. She is obsessed with uh, death all things about it. Spends a lot of time on the internet researching it. Unfortunately, that doesn't really pay the bills, so she's 
Also quite good at fighting and lifting weights and works as a club bouncer. Um, so, yes, uh, all three of, so, uh, let's see, we got Elmas, is it Ravia? Iravia, yeah. Iravia and Nellos all live in either the Steinwald or Hazeltown. Although I believe you all picked the Steinwald. Uh, so, it's your, so you're all living in the city, I believe, from your little intro thing. So, so, um, so, so you, you all live in around that area. And you've all met uh, one of seven people that have all kind of come together for a project. Um, so basically, you have met your contact, and they have kind of come up with a proposition for you. That basically, they kind of give you vague details, but wasn't quite fully uh, spelled out for you, and they gave you a contact card. Uh, you are to contact one Theron Pendragon. Uh, and he, they gave you basically a location of his office and told you, why don't you meet him at a certain time? Uh, so, uh, basically that is kind of where you all meet up. You are all meeting up at his office. Uh, basically his office resides in a kind of, he lives in somewhat, or his area is kind of a, kind of a historical district, basically where since the Steinwald's kind of a cultural center where a lot of people have immigrated because basically either they tried to go to America and basically saw that that wasn't working out for them and just kind of left, uh, or they just decided to immigrate there. Uh, basically the Steinwald has a major, it's a major cultural center that has a lot of different, basically it's like a hodgepodge of kind of different cultures. Basically the area that he is in is kind of a commercial district also that basically it's kind of a lot of shops that kind of uh, focus on various kinds of historical, like basically it's, it's a essentially a mall that has a lot of cultural different stores. So his office is, he, uh, his office is kind of in one of those malls and basically you are all sitting in his uh, basically his waiting room and then basically his secretary comes in and uh, basically issues, issues you all into his office. And in his office, you happen to find the two people that have served as your contact. Um, basically, uh, so Elmas and Nilos, uh, you see Radia, Radia Shahrazad, sitting basically in a chair to the side, kind of fidgeting with kind of her watch. Uh, and uh, Aravia, you see... Uh, Cass also sitting to the side, uh, to the side. Uh, so there are three chairs kind of sitting in the middle and you all take a seat. And basically with that, you see, uh, Theron sitting in the center. Theron is a very large man. Uh, he is about six, six and he is by kind of looking at him, you see that he is something. It looks human, although not quite, uh, his face resembles that of a human, but you see that he has, well, one, his skin's blue, just right off the bat. And you see green uh, scaly patterns on his, right just below his eyes and on his chin. And also he has very flowing indigo colored hair and a very large smile. So he comes and basically comes, sees, kind of points you down to the chairs and says, hello, uh, I suppose these two have told you about me. Uh, my name's Theron. 
And I have a proposition for you. Um, I know this is kind of quick, but I have a question for you. Um, if I say the word scrying, what exactly does that mean to you? Uh, Elmis raises their hand and says an illegal surveillance, illegal surveillance that our government is doing on all of us for the past 30 years. Theron kind of lifts his eyebrow and is like, close, but not quite. Um, at least not in this case. Well, maybe. It just sounds like nerd shit to me. And basically Theron kind of looks at Ravia and is like, yeah, kind of, uh, in a way. But uh, let me tell you something that's might be somewhat interesting. And he pulls out a book. And it just looks like a normal book. And he kind of opens it to you. And kind of slides it to you. And you take a look at the book. And really you don't see much of anything about it. Um, and it basically says, this just looks... Does this just look like a book to you? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what books look like. You have something else you're going to go on about. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing this bit, so... You catch on quick. Let me just cut to the chase. And basically, he rubs his hands. He kind of rubs his hands on the lines. And as you see it, the ink kind of starts to glow. And then basically, you can tell that the book is starting to actually... Um, Basically, the book just basically all the lines on it just start to glow very brightly. Uh, it starts to emit a kind of like the text starts to emit a greenish, a greenish purplish kind of going in between each other uh, tone that um, is very bright and almost starts to come from the book itself. He says, this book is what's called manuscripted. That means that whoever wrote this book did so. And put, I know, like, I'm an author myself. When I put my, uh, when I write a book, I put my heart, my mind into it. These people actually do that. This book, in this text, has the thoughts and feelings of the person who wrote it. And that, those feelings get put into that book. It's stored in this book. Now, the thing about that is, is that... That while that is interesting, uh, there are some yeah. that have been able to kind of focus their energy onto these. And if you have enough, if you're one of those wizards who spend eight years trying to in some mountain somewhere, trying to basically try and unlock their maximum magical potential, they can put their they can actually take this book and kind of get a mental vision. They can close their eyes and actually picture the environment in which the writer was writing. Now, the thing about that is, is you you can chain these books. Like, the thing is, like, this book has subject matter on one subject. But many books have been, man like, manuscripted. Not just this one book. And the thing is, if you put all multiple books together you could probably get almost walk through someone's one, someone's vision of this. And this not includes just the vision of the writer. It's what they experienced as they were writing this. This is an account of someone's, uh, this is an account of someone's uh, travels through basically their look through the Rocky Mountains. If you go through this book, you can see their entire vision, but it is very draining. Uh, the thing about this is, is that 
thanks to the technical genius of radio over here, uh, radio, by the way, is very, is pretty tall. Uh, she's about six, two, uh, would look like a normal human, except for a few key things. One, her arms and legs, uh, appear to be that of some creature, uh, mostly looking, uh, if you're looking somewhat similar to a bear, for example, uh, and almost like a bear cat hybrid almost in a way. And also she has a very long flowing tail, kind of like a fox. And her hat, she has also very prolonged ears to the side. Like she would normally look like a normal uh, pointed eared human, except for the fact that her ears are almost goat-like in a sense and kind of stick out to the side quite a bit. And also she has two little tiny horns. Other than that, she looks like a normal kind of human. Um, other than everything else. Yes, other than everything else. <laughs> Uh, so then she kind of looks up from her fidgeting and it's like kind of smiles and just kind of cheapestly shits there and kind of waves to, uh, waves to Elmas and Nellos. Um, Theron, it basically kind of goes back and says, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I have a proposition for you. I have the ability. We have, we think we have the technology to be able to, Look into these books and see into things that could actually help a lot of people out. And then basically he pulls, he kind of reaches behind his desk and pulls out a circle, basically this kind of a whitish orb and just kind of puts it at the table and says, do you happen to know what this is? Um, I don't think any of you would probably exactly know, um, because this is not something you would have seen. And Theron basically points out to it as like, this is a sensing orb. Uh, this is actually a thing that a lot of, um, basically a lot of paranoid wizards would actually employ into their, uh, basically their layers. Because they don't want people kind of snooping around and keeping, or like getting into their layers. Um, but it's nice and discreet um, because it's just a little orb. You can put it into like the top corner of a room and basically be very hard to see it unless you're actually looking for it. Now, the thing is about this, these orbs is that they look kind of basic, just a little tiny orb, but this orb is very powerful because what you see it, see inside of it is a very powerful sensor. It is a radionics core inside and what it can see basically this thing is magically charged. It can sense almost anything. You can sense heat. It could sense sound. It could sense a lot of things. And the weird thing about it, it says uncanny knack of kind of keeping a lot of information about the people that it sees. Because normally we just see the heat sensing, but from what you found, it has a lot of information about whatever it sees. Now, I have a friend who lives out on the Castle Rock. Republic. You know that it's got an air not a lot of people know about that area. Uh, but the thing about it is it's very mountainous. And basically, um a lot of hidden kind of caverns in there. And a lot of wizards happened to kind of set home there. And there was a lot I actually used to live there. That's actually where I came from. And the thing about it is is that we have we kind of have a lot of respect for our our 
kind of our wizards are kind of what we are known for. And what we, they would do is they would set up a house and have a group of students with them. And basically, they would be able to live inside of a mountain for a long time. And these orbs were situated all around it to make sure that everything was kind of up and up. Just so we can have an eye and make sure that no kind of evil creature got inside. Now, the thing is that many of those wizards have kind of abandoned there since we are now starting to kind of move into kind of a more urbanization process, uh, kind of abandoning those mountains because it's not exactly, you know, efficient to kind of keep those things uh, going. The thing is, is that um, while those are getting abandoned, people have been kind of going into them and using them for nefarious deeds. And basically he then pulls out a book and Zezu says, the, f the friend who sent me this is the head of security for one of these castles or for um, kind of one of the regions that has many of these layers. And she happened to notice that in one of these, she came across one of these layers that was recently, was been there for probably 300 years and basically has, would have been like, everything seemed pristine in there. With the exception of that, it seems like there was recent movement in there. Um, the thing is also that it seemed like there was a lot of, like, the air, the layer inside at the very bottom had a large open area. Uh, I believe in the original, like, in the original use for this, um, there would actually be testi testing for weapons uh, that be there. And I believe that was an indoor range. And the thing is, when they went in there, they noticed a lot of scrape marks. In there, as if there were a lot of like really heavy machinery, a lot of kind of grooves in the ground that uh, seemed like there were were these like there was something in there, but there was like other than that, there was nothing in there. And therefore, she was afraid that someone's been using kind of using this layer for nefarious deeds. And these books that she sent me we could actually go through and figure out who has been there as of probably how long as these orbs have been there. And these orbs would have been there for, if not decades, then centuries. And what I want you to do is I want you to help me with this. We need some people to help us with looking into this. And that's where you three come in. Okay, but what if it was just a normal drill wizard? That could be, but we want to make sure. Um, and just to kind of prove my, uh, basically just to kind of prove that I'm not doing this as a joke and kind of give you a little bit of incentive. If you do this for us and we might have future jobs in the future, as I say future twice, um, <laughs> I'm willing to give each of you 300 credits for this. Um, on a side note, that's basically around $219.70. So that is a fair amount of money. Um, so are you in? Oh, of course. If you pay it that much. I mean, it beats construction. Yeah, he basically turns to Nellos. Yeah, Nellos has just been sitting here looking bored. And she just kind of gives a sure whatever gesture. Perfect. All right. Well, here's what I want you to do. 
Uh, what I'm going to need you to do is our kind of situ, our basically our headquarters that we're kind of doing these products in. Um, Brady and Cass here have actually been involved in these, so um, they can let you know anything about uh, what you're, you're going to need to go through for this. And if you have any questions about this, uh, let me ask you one thing. Uh, have any of you, say, for example, had any issues with um, disassociation? No. 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 Perfect. Um, basically, what all we're going to need for you is basically to go asleep and dream. That's all it's going to be. This is all going to seem like a dream. And then you'll wake up and then you'll have this money to kind of show for it. But you'll be you able know, to help us. when people say that, it's generally worrisome. Uh, and then kind of Cass kind of pops up. is like, you'll be fine. It's neat. Uh, I mean, it just, go to sleep and have some money. It's bad. We got people looking after you. You're not going to be, you're going to be fine. We're all good. Like, we got like a doctor involved in this. We got some magician lady. Uh, involved in this. We got kind of a very nice mus musician involved in this. We got a motley crew, but we're all good people. Why a musician? Uh, she basically helps us. She's an additional, she's basically like her, I don't know how it works, but basically her music's magic somehow. I don't know quite how that works. Uh. But it's weird, but yeah, she does a good job. Um, so basically with that, um, Basically, Theron has in any questions. None here. Uh, uh, uh. No, I got none. All right. Well, it just, just sounds like a lot of nerd shit. But well, uh, here's some more nerd shit. Uh, here is oh, a no. here is a library or here is a card uh, for the Hazeltown Library. That's where we all meet up. Um, so I need you to be here uh, two in about two days uh, at around seven o'clock at night. Um, Basically, if you could show up there, uh, we could actually, uh, actually, I believe they changed the hours. So I believe there'll be nine o'clock. Uh, so basically right before or right before it closes, we'll be able to, you'll be able to, uh, meet us up there and we should be good to go. All right. Uh, so time passes and we are now, um, basically you're right no. in front of, uh, the Hazeltown library. Uh, and basically you all kind of meet up and is there anything you want to talk about among yourselves before you go in? Is this going to take long? I got to be at the club in an hour. No one else is out there, but you three. <laughs> um, Still. Who knows if it's weird sleep things, time's going to get disjointed. Okay. Uh, so basically... Um, as you're all standing out there, you see a head pop out of the, uh, basically the, the entrance of the library, the head that pops out, uh, give one second. I did a better description. Um, the face that, or basically the head that pops up is of a kind of brunette, uh, guinea pig actually, uh, with very large, uh, yellow glasses. Um, and her, and she kind of, it was like. Um, are you the three that are looking uh, for... Did Theron send you all here? Yes. Okay. Um, 
just come in and I can point you to where you need to go. Um, so basically you kind of come in and she's like, uh, hi, my name's Asiri. I'm the librarian, the head librarian here. Um, basically just kind of, um, I don't really know much about this. I just kind of help them with what they do in the back. Um, you don't, you don't have anything to wor worry about. They're all actually really nice people. I know, it, I don't know what they told you, but we got you back. I'm just amazed I'm getting paid to fall asleep in a library. I don't even need money for that, but hell. You'll, you'll, you'll see. Uh, and then she kind of leads you back to a back room. And in the back room, you see a few things. One, you see right in the center of the chair, or right in the center of the room, you see four chairs back to back, but kind of like in a cross formation. And in the center of those chairs, uh, or what all the chairs are kind of leaning against, are basically what looks to you like a giant vase that has, um, you can tell that there is smoke coming out of it, and there is a, um, there is a distinct smell in the room of herbs, um, very fragrant ones, uh, kind of like a lavender-ish. There's probably some lavender thrown in there, uh, and it smells. In here, I pleasant. thought they were smoking weed in the back room of the library. Uh, it is the '70s, but it is not quite that. <laughs> uh, weed has probably been smoked back there, but that tonight. Um, <laughs> so in there, you see that, and you also see Radius setting up some, uh, basically setting up uh, a bunch of computer equipment on some desks. You also see Cass kind of moving things around. And also, you see, um, on the side, you see a kind of medium-sized kind of uh, human woman. Uh, basically, she is dressed in kind of jeans and kind of a uh, kind of a leather, not quite a leather biker jacket, but a leather kind of jacket in general, um, kind of like a blazer, and wearing uh, basically... Uh, yeah, basically, she also has um, a pair of fashion glasses on as well. Um, and she's kind of looking kind of uh, impatient as a book or at a book. And then she hears you look in or come in and she's like, oh, are you the three new runners for this? The what? So. Uh, you're the three people who are helping out Theron. Yep. All right. So I'm going to be joining you on this. Uh, hi, uh, my name's Lila. Uh, she's, and you also notice that she happens to be speaking with a notable Irish accent. Um, so <laughs> I'm not going to attempt to do that. So I'm just going to say that. Um, no, hearing you stumble would be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, as if I'm not stumbling on that already. Um, yeah. And eh, nerves be like that. Yeah. Uh, so she kind of extends her hand, um, to a base guess whoever is closest. Fucking... Aravia immediately goes in for the handshake. It's like, okay, I see that. I, yep. Hey, um, I take it that you're the muscle of this group, aren't you? I, I mean, I, I guess I don't know the other two at all. Now let's just snort. I could probably kick their line. asses, but that's it's unrelated. Well, yeah, good that we have some brawn in here. Uh, I could probably uh, do a good. Probably do a little good in a scrap, but uh, nice to have a little bit of extra just in case we might need it. Um, she's like, like, what all did he tell you? 
that we're going to be doing. Going to sleep and getting paid for it. Well, that is one way of putting it. I can so, kind of doze it out for some of it. Yeah, he kind of gets into it a little bit. Uh, yeah, so basically what we're going to be doing is... Uh, her, the people here, like, they're always late. Um, but, yeah, we're what we're going to be doing is we're going to each sit in these chairs. And basically what we do is we have, I guess they call her Bart or something like that. That's what I guess she named her, said her title was. She's got this magic that puts you to sleep in a good and puts you in a nice little trance. And then uh, we got a couple of friends here that are going to be able to use that trance to kind of almost teleport you to a dream. It's kind of interesting, but it doesn't hurt. And I you, I don't know if you're nervous, but I wouldn't be. It It's perfectly fine. Um, so I guess we just got to wait for the others to show up. Uh, so basically, uh, you are in this room. Uh, there is the computer equipment and the thing. Uh, what all do you decide to do? Hmm. It's just it's books and a computer. Uh, there's also a few things up to the side. There's a player piano. Uh, there is also um, on a. There is also a desk that is set to the side of which you see one specific computer, and you see a book that is just sitting there that's kind of sitting there kind of put to the side uh and also you see to the side of that you see the books you see the box essentially that Darren had in his in his office so that is what you can kind of see in this room hmm i know what you nerds are doing but i'm gonna pass out on that chair yeah might as well get fucking genius level move i'm gonna fall asleep on the chair before going to sleep all right uh so Carnival, what'd you say? I said I might as well just get on, get ready, and prepare for everything then. Okay. And then Lila kind of like, kind of goes aside. It's like, oh, I see. Sure, all eager, but yeah, we gotta wait, so might as well just kind of get ready. Uh, then you happen to uh, notice as you all kind of close the door behind you, you hear the door open again, and you see two people walk in. You see. Um, a somewhat tallish, um, red rabbit, uh, lady, uh, with very blue hair. She is dressed up in a, almost looks like a costume in a sense. Uh, she's wearing kind of a blue tunic and green leggings and green kind of undershirt, uh, with a belt and a kind of brown kind of cape almost with it. Um, and she is talking with the person that she's walking in with who is dressed in a kind of black kind of normal office pants and basically a kind of a yellow button up shirt. That's kind of just hanging over there and they're kind of chatting humorously. And then basically they both see you and the woman kind of looks at you as like, Oh, are you the new people here? Um, and she kind of extends her kind of extends her hand, and then uh, basically says, uh, "Hi, uh, my name's Rhapsody." And, and Ravia once again goes in for the handshake. He's like, "I yes, I I see you're very eager for this." Um, you look ridiculous. It it helps with my music. You look ridiculous. And then her part, the partner behind her, is like, "Yeah, I I 
I don't know why you need to dress up in all this. We can just like you have a lot of other nice outfits. Why do you have to go and do your custom thing? And she kind of so it's like, well, it helps me get in the mood for it. And her partner just kind of shrugs. Uh, her partner is much shorter than her. Um, actually, very short. Only uh, because Elmas, you said your character is five, like five foot even. Five foot even. Yeah, yes. he's he's only a few inches higher than you are. Are so, uh, and then he is a very bright, or his. If you were to just take a casual look at him, you might say that he looks like a mouse, but not quite. Uh, he has very kind of e- somewhat enlarged ears. Uh, he is his fur is mostly bright blue, um, but except for his arms, which is have been extended, which toward going kind of from the forearm on, are somewhat gray, and you can also see there's three white stripes kind of going on his head. Um, and he's kind of standing there a little bit, uh, somewhat awkwardly and just saying, Oh, uh, hi. Uh, I'm the person that's going to be keeping you alive. I'm sorry. What? I uh, don't worry about it. Uh, no, you don't, you, you don't, you don't say that. Uh, sorry. I just <laughs> kind of follow up. Uh, sorry. It just kind of, um, I am basically making sure that you're all, um, he basically starts to stammer over his words. I was like, let me introduce myself. Um, my name is Dr. Lomi Loisel. Uh, I am keeping, I am basically here to make sure that um, you're all nice and healthy throughout this. Uh, I am an actual doctor. He kind of reaches into, he kind of has a bag with them and he kind of shows his card. He's like, uh, here's my certification. I work at um, St. Michael's Hospital in the Steinwald. So you should like, this isn't some, I know the, how backwards this looks. It's actually, it is backwards, but we mean well. And we are all pretty good at what we do. So, um, yeah, and he just kind of retracts it and just kind of, I'm going to go s- stand over here in the corner. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that happens. And then, um, basically, Rhapsody kind of, uh, it goes like, um, do we have any sign of, do we have any sign of, uh, Henry yet? And then basically it's like, no, uh, he hasn't shown up yet. Um, I think, uh, Theron might bring him in. And then almost as if on cue, uh, you see Theron emerge, um, with also behind him, you see a rather, uh, kind of normal looking like he is basically if you were to kind of define the most average looking human basically that is him uh he John is, Q every man uh yes he is uh very he looks like he works in basically he works in accounting is from what he looks like uh, <laughs> he is wearing a rather basic kind of overcoat and pants uh, with a bowler hat of which he immediately puts on the table as he walks in um, and basically Theron kind of acknowledges, I was like, oh, I see that you've made it. Um, we should have everyone, uh, in. So, yeah, um, could you all sit down in the, um, could you all take a, se- a seat in the center? All right. Um, Theron gets behind the desk and basically with the book and the computer and he's like, Okay, uh, I, t- I hope you all have met. Um, so what all I need you to do is 
Radia here is going to basically, and you see Radia now start to bring out essentially three kind of almost TR looking kind of almost like headbands, like basically the kind of the U shape kind of thing. It's just like, and you can see on the, in the kind of the center of the headband, you can see a little tiny crystal. And basically we, um, basically she kind of walks over to you and she, you see that has four of them and Radia's like, can can you please put all these on? Uh, just put them kind of on your head. All right. <laughs> okay. Mallow's glares at the thing, then snatches it out of her hands, then disappe- disappears her arms and her head into her giant jacket. And when she comes back out, she has the TR on. Okay. And then Lila also take, basically takes it and just kind of sits down. And she's like, it, and Lila's basically just like, um, so they haven't met two of the people that we kind of need for this. Uh, and there's like, well, let's get them situated before they, we have to bring out, um, the others. So, and then Henry, and then Henry is standing there is like, um, hi, uh, my name's Henry. I am going to actually be, um, helping out our main magician with this. And um, Theron is like, oh, uh, yes, we haven't introduced yourself, uh, her yet. Um, and then you notice that the book starts to jiggle a little bit. And you just hear a voice saying, yeah, you haven't introduced me yet. You know, it's kind of rude. And basically, and you can't quite tell where the voice came from. You guys got a talking book. Awesome. When do I get to sleep? I, that'll, that'll be just a little bit. Um, so here's the thing. Yes, we're going to be putting you to sleep. Um, but the thing is, while you're sleeping, you're going to be taking part in a dream um, that we are going to be help you guide through. You're going to be going through the mountains that I told you about. And basically... We don't know exactly what we're going to be coming across, um, but hopefully your skills are going to be able to kind of help us out. Um, so, yeah, uh, in order to kind of put you in the trance, uh, Rhapsody here will uh, help kind of put you into an alert, kind of put you into a very restful sleep, um, and then which will open up your mind a little bit that allows us to kind of help guide you through this uh, journey that we're all going to be taking. Um, Finally, it's time for prog rock. So (laughs) Henry here is going to help you and basically be your main guide throughout this. But also uh, the main one that's going to be driving this is our friend here. He kind of starts to take up, takes a book. He's like, all right, I I guess it's no time like the present. And basically he opens the book and then almost immediately from it, you just see two hands in a head kind of appear from the pages of the book. And you see that she has kind of a kind of bemused look on her, her face. Uh, basically, it is that of basically another human. Uh, you can see her long green hair kind of covers up most of her face or like half of her face. And the thing is, her eyes are very kind of bluish. Like her eyes are kind of cyan but like the actual iris is like a darker blue and she just kind of stares at you it's like 
kind of just takes a look at the three of you. And is like, so here's what we got to work with, huh? No professionals, just these folk. You know, it's it's been a while since I last saw a book this curse. And she just kind of the book, the lady in the book just kind of stares at you and is like, "All right, um, so yeah, uh, my name is Bibli. That's not the name I was like born with." That's the name I'm fine with right now. Uh, I'm basically going to be the one that's guiding you through this. Uh, with my help, with the help of this nerd behind me, uh, pointing to Henry. And he's like, and then Henry just kind of stands there. He's like, uh, yes, um, I am going to be uh, helping you with that. Um, so now the thing is, though, uh, I am going to need uh, basically. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, so basically she just takes a look at, uh, Henry and just kind of, he just looks forward. He's like, all right, are we good to go? And then, yep. So Henry doesn't even look like a nerd. He just looks drab. I, let me, I, I, I can, I can tell you about many things and you can reevaluate that opinion. I don't need you to. I see you. <laughs> you look boring. And he just kind of smiles and it's like, good. Uh, and then basically he kind of uh, walks under Bibli is like, all right, you ready to do this? To which Bibli just kind of nods and kind of goes back into the book. And uh, with that, basically Theron and Radius start to lay out all the objects in the book. And basically is just gonna, kind of like starts hooking them up, like kind of puts them under sensors that, or puts them onto like almost hot plate looking things that basically allows them to bit that also have some kind of technical gadgets associated with them that are hooked up to these main kind of larger computers uh, that by the way, since this kind of takes place in kind of the seventies, uh, they are kind of a mix between te technologies kind of somewhere between the sixties and the two thousands. So they are almost iMac looking in a way, but also in like that oh, 70s God. fashion way. So very gaudy. Um, so that just to say that that is what they're kind of looking like. Then um, as you're doing that, and then basically is like, you just sit there for a moment while we set this up. And they actually set it up. And then Theron's like, okay, looks like we have everything set up. I guess, are we good to go? And yep. then, uh, Basically, everyone starts to nod. Uh, Lomi kind of walks up to each of you and is basically like, okay, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look straight ahead and walks up to um, uh, Elmas first. And basically, uh, he says to you, can you just look straight for me? Okay. I'm not going to do anything. He basically holds his hand up and then puts his hands underneath, basically right underneath your, like, to the sides of your throat, like almost like you're checking for lip notes in a way. He kind of puts it there for a sec. And the thing is you feel, um, you feel a slight tingling sensation. Nothing that hurts, but you notice that something's being, like something feels um, different. Uh, if you've had a checkup in this area, you know that uh, Lomi uh, has basically, he is what's referred to as an animancer. Uh, he basically has magic abilities that basically kind of help with he's basically a healer anime essentially oh 
Nope, he is more of akin to like a Dini priest. So he has Howard doesn't channel anime. What a loser. Uh we'll see maybe later on. Um <laughs> so yeah, basically he's like he used to do that and then kind of walks over to uh Aravia and basically does the same thing. So can you look straight for a second? Uh sure. And then basically he puts hands on the throat and he kind of has a bemused look and just like okay. Yeah, she's fine. And then kind of walks away what, and then what does that mean? Uh you look like you've taken quite a bit of have you uh what's the last time you've had a physical? Uh mm, I don't think I was on this continent at that point. He basically just looks at you as like he just kind of thinks for a second. He's like, yeah, you're good. Uh, and then walks <laughs> over to Nelos and basically kind of does the same thing. Can you look for straight? Mm-mm-mm. And then... Uh, the moment he gets close to Nellis, Nellis goes, hands off, Doc. He's like, okay. And he kind of just backs off and then kind of does the same to Lila. It's like, and then basically she just kind of looks at it and is like, yeah, I'm perfectly fine. We've done this before. We did this like last week. And he's like, I... And he's like, I got to do this, you know, got to make just, yeah. Uh, and then he also checks. He's like, okay, they're all good to go. And then Darren's like, all right, you four, all I need you to do is just sit still and just, you can start to basically just relax. To which you start to hear, um, you see Rhapsody kind of go out to the side and she has a flute and she starts to play a song that you hear. And it's very soothing, almost too soothing. You see, like it, <laughs> you feel like it goes like deeper into your head. And then you was like, oh, this feels very, and then you fall asleep. I jokes on you. Ravi was already out like a light. Um, so at this point, you all are asleep, and it is pitch black. The thing is, all of you wake up, and you notice that you are not in the library anymore. You are on the side of a mountain. You are on a campsite in a uh, mountain range that is basically, you see a path kind of leading down to down through some um Basically, there's been paths there. They're kind of rough paths, but they exist. Uh, and you see that you are in a center campsite and you all wake up and you see that you all four are sitting right next to a campfire. Well, so what do you do? This is the most elaborate way someone's ever dragged me out to the wilderness. Uh, and it's... Should we seek, seek something? Or... Uh, as Lalo waking up, he was like, oh, this always is slightly disorienting. Uh... Don't worry, we're still actually back there. We're actually all having a dream together. And then you hear, um, you hear essentially um, Henry's voice saying, okay, you basically hear it from the heavens like, okay, um, you're all, okay, you're all nice and asleep. Everything seems fine. Your vitals seem fine. So you're all on a collective dream now. Right. I mean, I'm, okay. But it's it's been a while since I dreamed, actually. So which way is the okay. castle? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's what you're going to look for. Um, they, uh, 
I haven't, I, we can't really do this for this long. Uh, there is a note that should be by, uh, roughly by where your tent is, uh, or in the tent that you see that should be right next to you. Uh, that should give you the information that you need. Um, so, uh, I'm going to have to turn off the channel. So, okay. Hope this works. And then you hear silence. Uh, oh, you, fuck. you've seen that there is a tent by you that, um, is open and inside of it you just see a note. It's by a campfire though. It, it's cold. It's a mountains. Couldn't they start us somewhere nicer? I mean, well, where we're need to get, going to need to go? No, you can't. I mean, I guess. Well, uh, let's head off then. Okay. Um. So Lila, you just know, I never got, did like these mountains. So Lila kind of picks up the note and basically is like, "Okay, it looks like." There's going to be, we're going to go down the path and it looks like there should be a mountain, uh, some sort of opening, I think, down there. And we're just going to go down there and we should be able to um, find some entrance. Never did care for these mountains, ever. And she kind of looks like, well, let's get going. Can't wait to beat up some hedge wizards. Um. So you all kind of go along the path there um, and you come across, the thing is, is that uh, the note had a rough kind of map and that had an X next to, you were able to kind of associate where you were to where this should be. And you're all standing in front of the X. Um, the thing is though, that you don't see an opening and basically you're all just kind of standing there. It's like, Okay, it should be here. Where, where is this? Um, you, you basically, you, you, what you see what it essentially looks across the wall. Um, but the thing is, is that um, at that point, Lila starts kind of to knock on the wall, and at one point, you you just see her knock, and all of a sudden, at one point, he's like, "Okay, it's right here," and then basically, you kind of like. Uh, come just knock right here for a second. I'm going to punch it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to punch it. Okay. Uh, you know what? I am just going to... Uh, I'm just going to do this. You punch it. The thing is, though, is that... you. It just kind of... It doesn't feel like you're hitting, like, wall. It doesn't even feel like you're hitting anything hard. Your fist just kind of stops. As if it's like something's pushing it back. God, oh, a punch. You know what? You you punch it. You punch the wizard shit. I will. Okay, uh, you punch it and you feel the same thing. <laughs> uh, Lila's just kind of sitting there. I was like, okay. Um, where? Okay, where is it? Um, so, um, what I want you to do is I need someone to make a perception check. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, actually, wait, no. Mine's actually decent. Fuck. Yeah, you can. You're fine. Uh, so this is going to be a simple uh, uh, perception check. So let's see. What is your what is your perception? Ah, oh yeah, I got plenty. I've got a yellow one, two green. Yellow two okay, green. That's slightly better than mine. Okay. Uh, so, Elmas, you can uh, basically just do a simple no difficulty. So yes, you are going to roll two of the green and one of the yellow. 
and just roll it uh, kind of in the center area. Yeah, it's, it's heavy. Oop, are we having technical issues? Seems fine to me. Okay, you're rolling. And you succeed. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you have sure, four successes. Whatever. Um, so you kind of notice something interesting. Kind of, you just kind of look at the ground, and you notice that there is a, um, essentially there is a little tiny box, um, that, as you succeeded, um, you see that the box is there, and you assume or. Basically, yeah, there is a box that should not be there and seems to be emanating something. It is slightly humming. Okay, guys, we've got a vibrating box. That... You gotta kick the box. Okay. Okay. Um, you don't know where it is. <laughs> well, no, Carnival just mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah, Carnival pointed it out. Ah. And it's like, and then Lonely Cow's like, like, okay, yeah, there's, there's the. There must be the whatever is causing this wall to appear. Um, as I say, do we want to just actually just kick it down, or do we want to just kind of find a way to deactivate it? I want to kick the box. All right. Um, I guess do you know what? Make a brawl. Make a simple brawl check. Uh, so you're rolling two yellows and a green. Uh, that is four successes and one advantage. Uh, so you punted <laughs> off the wall. You punted essentially uh and it it breaks and it falls off the wall and it does so in a way that basically it turns it off without a noise so you're basically the the wall that you punched earlier is now no longer there uh as you can see you can walk straight in to this cavern it looks like wizards ain't got shit on this okay um just a Ravi. It does a quick little flex. Um, Lila just kind of flexes, like just kind of gives a, uh huh, and then basically, all right, should we walk in? <laughs> basically, kind of gesturing into the cavern. It's like, all right, shall we go? I mean, you can lead on. Sure. It's fine. Yeah. No, you first. Okay. Uh, so I don't Lila... know where to go. I'm stupid. All right. So Lilo starts walking into basically the cavern. And you see that there are electro, uh, basically there are lanterns on the side uh, leading this uh, cavern. And you notice that it is a staircase going down. So you go down the staircase up until you come across a room. Inside this room, it's very elaborate. Uh, there, It is a very nice kind of stony architecture inside. Um, very brick looking. Um with uh, lanterns on, uh, with basically lanterns kind of strewn about, um, you kind of walk in, and it is a relatively squarish-looking room. Uh, you see kind of two do- uh, a door to your north, a door to your um, to the left of you, and a small closet to the right, like a small walk-in closet. I mean, shorty should probably take the closet. Which one are you talking to? Who's the shortest? Uh. I believe I think Elmas, Elmas is that's Elmas. I was gonna say because Nellis, you're five two, I think. Not much taller. Yeah. But still taller. Yeah. Elmas is five foot so sure. Um at some point we should describe our characters since you've been describing all of yours. 
Yeah, actually, at some point we probably should. Um, uh, actually, do you, do you just want to go ahead and do that now? Sure. Um, Elmas, how about we start with you? Uh, Elmas is five foot even, as we mentioned. Uh, rail thin, golden red pompadour, and full body tactics. Yep. Uh, so you are also, I believe you put down that you are a dragonkin? Yes, as well. So let me just go here, just a brief description of what uh, dragonkins look like. Um, so basically they are, as this is kind of in general, uh, they basically, their heads are normal. They are shaped like human with, uh, they do have pointed ears. Uh, their eyes are cat-like and they do have uh, fang-like canines. Um, they have monkey-like tails, like longish tails. And they have chimpanzee kind of feet. Like, so they have like the opposable uh, toes. Um, they're totally not a Son Goku. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, Original character, don't steal. Uh, Aravia. Oh, yeah. Aravia is a six foot five caramel colored cow woman. Uh, toning covered head to toe in scars. Okay. Uh, also, you know, done out in fucking biker leather and torn up jeans. Okay, uh, Nellis? And she kickers. Uh, Nellis is... I forget what the species name was, but she's uh, basically a red panda. Yep. And a very small woman. And she wears a ba baggy coat and uh, pants, which just make her look even smaller. Okay. Yeah, that's about it, actually. Okay. So, um, let's see. Uh, Elmas, you're going to go take a look at the closet? Sure, why not? not um, perception roll? Or... Uh, no, it's, there's... I'm really only going to make your roll if there's anything that could come out of failure. Or if All it's... Right. Or just for giggle. Um, basically, you go in there and you see that there... Um, basically, there is an area to ha basically hang up a lot of coats. The thing is, you only see around, um, you see about four of them. You see four kind of coats. Uh, they are all essentially the same type. They are all basically uh, brown leather, uh, basically uh, brown kind of cloth trench coats. Uh, uh, all same size, same make, like, uh, the, like, like the same kind of, you know, the characters who have the identical just the whole wardrobe filled the same thing forever. Uh, they are very much of the same uh, shape. Uh, basically, from what you can tell, they are roughly uh, three of them are of roughly the same size. Uh, one of them is noticeably smaller. Maybe not noticeably. They you can tell that the one is a size or two smaller. Okay. On the home of the Flashers Guild. Yeah, I was gonna say this is the home of a bunch of perverts. Um, yes. Uh, you, from what you can tell, they are of. You would say around average size with maybe being slightly larger. Okay, this is definitely home of a bunch of perverts. Thank you for listening to Hazeltown Story. If you'd like to get updates on this show and many other shows hosted by me, Lola DePuzzlo, you can follow at Hazeltown Story on Twitter. And if you would like to get to know me more from a personal standpoint, you can follow my personal Twitter at Lola DePuzzlo. If you would like to watch this be recorded live, you can go to twitch.tv slash loadedpuzzle and follow the channel for notifications of when this show, as well as other shows like Retro Rank Rhapsody, are being recorded. 
If you would like to add this podcast to your podcatcher of choice, you can search for WLDP Hazeltown Radio and find us on most major podcatching search engines. Or you can manually add rss.hazeltown.life to your podcatcher. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come around for the next episode.